Welcome to Digest and Invest, the podcast from eToro that brings you the top financial stories and discusses their effect on the markets. The content that will be discussed is intended for information and educational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice or investment recommendation. Make sure you understand the risks involved in trading before committing any capital and never risk more than you are prepared to lose. Past performance is not an indication of future results. And now on to the podcast. Hello and welcome back for another special episode of the Digest and Invest podcast brought to you by eToro. Today, as usual, I'm joined by Josh Gilbert, based out in Sydney, Australia. But today we have Simon Moores, who is a British businessman and entrepreneur specialising in the lithium-ion battery and electric vehicle industry. So something we're definitely interested in, in finding more about here at eToro. Uh, he is the founder and CEO of Benchmark Mineral Intelligence, independent market intel and price reporting agency for the lithium-ion battery to EV supply supply chain and with the extraordinary price action we've seen with lithium recently before he would be the perfect guest simon how are you yeah good thanks good i appreciate you both having me on this podcast it's a slightly different audience uh, to usual so i'm uh, really looking forward to it awesome where are you uh, where are you tuning in from today uh central london at the moment today um but it does feel like i've been i've been zipping around a bit and um, last last week i was visiting a one of these battery gigafactories in um, Sweden, a company called Northvolt. And so it feels like travel is starting to come back and people are desperate to get out there. So but I'm in London right now. Awesome. Yeah, on, on the, the podcast we did last week, Josh was just mentioning how the borders in Australia were just opening up. And I think, Josh, is, is you're, you're flying to Israel next week. Is that on the cards? Potentially. Yeah, potentially Israel, maybe. So we'll see. But it's good to be able to actually just plan something like that again. So that's, yeah. it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Normality's coming back. Uh, Simon, it'd be great if uh, just to sort of get us going, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and, and Benchmark Mineral Intelligence too. Yeah, Benchmark, we set the company up in 2014 to collect data, primarily price um, data on the key raw materials that go into lithium-ion batteries. It's something that I've done all my career since 20, uh, 2006 when I started. Uh, but I, I realised in my previous job that there wasn't really a a focused almost data and pricing machine and intelligence machine specifically for the battery supply chain because it was new and just emerging. So yeah, we set Benchmark up uh, 2014 and it's basically just gone through the roof. It's a subscription independent company. Uh, we don't invest at all. We collect data and that's then given to people in the active supply chain to negotiate contracts, make big investments um, or big investment decisions uh, based on our information. And, and also for investors, like um, your audience would follow us on Twitter, some might subscribe. And it's um, it's kind of just getting good information out there for what is a rapidly emerging mega trend for the 21st century. Yet it's we're, we're still a, it's still a niche industry as well. So it's um, it's been a bit nonstop for us the last seven years. It does feel a bit like that, doesn't it? You know, especially, I mean, the electric vehicle space for, for one, um, you know, that's sort of gone pretty crazy, um, you know, in, in the last sort of two, three years as well, let alone what you're saying there, Simon, obviously, you know, beyond that as well. But I think more sort of retail wise, it's, uh, it's gone pretty crazy in that last couple of years. Um, but I think just for our listeners, just to sort of break it down and really get on a on a really basic level here, um, 
give us a little bit of insight into sort of lithium um sort of what is it for those that probably haven't got much of an idea and sort of really why it has sort of exploded within the last couple of years yeah lithium is a how best to put this a speciality chemical a niche speciality chemical going mainstream so it's the key input into a lithium-ion battery um, in turn, probably the highest profile input, the second biggest input after graphite anode, uh, which not a lot of people will actually think about. Um, but it's the it's the element that all these technologies, they look at my battery and the, the variety of different flavors and therefore the variety of different um, electric vehicles on the market are all based on lithium uh, for the present and for the future. So it's that kind of the main pillar that this whole not just electric vehicles, but this energy storage revolution is based upon. Now, if you think about the lithium-ion battery, for me, we call the lithium-ion battery a platform technology. It's, it sits in the middle of this supply chain. Of course, you've got lithium, lithium, cobalt, graphite, nickel, manganese, even copper that goes into that. But uh, at the crux of it is the, this lithium-ion battery, which has been around since the 70s. And then off that, you build an entire economy of electric cars. Uh, you're building electric mining trucks. You're building um, uh, energy storage systems to make solar energy, wind energy work. Uh, I, I'm doing this podcast from an from an iPhone, uh, which wouldn't be able, wouldn't be possible to connect with you guys uh, via this means if it wasn't for the lithium ion battery. So it's it's lithium that is the, the this kind of base element that the whole thing is is based upon. But the lithium ion battery is this platform technology, and that's why it's so important. And then in terms of what's been happening. Uh, well, quite simply, the price has been going through the roof um, for the last 15 months now. And that's driven purely by this new, um, how would you describe, as like electric vehicles coming main, pure electric vehicles becoming mainstream. The green tidal wave of electric vehicles, yeah, going mainstream. So I guess it's one of those where some people might not even realise they're using sort of a lithium battery on a day to day, but they're probably using it at some point uh, through their lives. Uh, yeah. Um, so I guess that we, you know, we've broken down sort of okay, what is it? You know, how we use it. So I guess the, a good question that I wanted to go over next is okay, where do we get it from? Right, where do we get lithium? I think. You know, being here in Australia, we hear a lot about it here. I think there's a big, we have a big role to play in the mining of lithium. Um, but yeah, give us a little bit more about that. Maybe some of the complexities that come with it as well, because I think there is, you know, it's not easy to to, to sort of uh, mine it. So yeah, a bit of insight. Where do we get it from? Uh, and a bit more about that. Yeah, so lithium comes from well, two main sources, hard rock lithium, which is, uh, you'll all know about in Australia, that's mainly sp spodumene that's then chemically converted uh, in China at the moment. But of course, uh, two chemical plants are now being built in, in Australia as we speak and, and getting close. Then you've got uh, the brine, um, these big brine resources in South America, Chile and Argentina. And that would be like, if people Google lithium, that's probably the first picture that would come up. These big blue expansive ponds, the size of football fields, you know, one after another in the middle of a desert. Um, and that's that's a different way of extracting lithium um, in a in a liquid form, right? And in a brine form. And so the the, the point is that uh, the underlying point is that lithium isn't rare. Uh, it is found everywhere, but actually getting lithium out of the ground in commercial quantities, in um, battery and making it in, into a battery ready or a battery grade material that that the lithium-ion battery and electric vehicle guys can actually use 
isn't easy. So it's not really um, we need to, we need to we need to build probably twenty lithium mines in the next ten years. Um, that's kind of the challenge we've got, uh, which is a significant expansion of what we have today. But but the key thing is if you don't nail the supply chain and that that producing that that rock or that raw material into a battery ready lithium hydroxide or a battery grade lithium um, carbonate that's also consistent, then uh, you're not going to be able to use it in a battery. And so that's the challenge. It's not making lithium isn't rocket science. It's not like rare earths where making rare earth chemicals, um, rare earth oxides is bloody difficult. It's actually, it's, it's not rocket science, but it's, it's not easy. So that's the challenge with lithium at present. Interesting. If, um, if you were to, I guess, give an analogy of where we are on, on sort of the, the timeline of, of uh, the lithium and investing in, in lithium related stocks. And I, I spoke to someone regarding the sort of the cannabis industry and they used a uh, American football analogy. And they said they haven't even started the game. They're in the warm up of how early it is for that. With, with, with lithium, where, where do you sort of see us? If we I go, maybe we will use the American football analogy as well. Has the game started? Do you think? Yeah, yeah the game started. I, I, actually, you know, a conference, well, the last conference that I was at was, was our event, which is Benchmark Week 20, when was this? 2019 in, uh, in LA. We do it every year in LA in November. Nice. So all you guys are welcome to come. Just look on our website. We, we're going to take uh, that as an invite, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. More than welcome to come. Just get in, t- just get in touch with me. Get in touch with uh, Derek. Um, but I would say with, um, at, yeah, at that event, Someone asked, when is the party going to start? So not your football analogy, let's call it a party analogy. Uh, And I actually said, well, the party's already started, but you're not invited yet because it's (laughs) happening in China. Um, Now everyone's invited to the party. Hmm. Since since coronavirus, it's certainly gone through the roof. And there's a a few different reasons that are driving that. But it actually is, that's more sort of sentiment and geopolitics is is driving the future demand for lithium. But right now, we're not, we're seeing demand that was always going to be, that was always coming, 2018 and 2019. Um, Yet just just people didn't quite believe it. Um, But now China is is surging with the the emergence, the re-emergence of a battery called LFP, lithium ion phosphate battery. It's let's say the lower end range of of the lithium ion family, but that has helped. Um, that has pushed lithium prices to these all time highs. On top of existing demand from a lithium ion battery called N- NCM, which is your sort of classic lithium ion battery in your Teslas. Uh, well, actually, that's NCA and NCM now. But but you've got these layers of demand that have been building and not going away. And then, of course, that's happening in China, but it's also happening everywhere else now. You see electric cars on the road everywhere in, in, in the UK, pretty much everywhere on the West Coast of America. And they're not, they're not surprising to see a Tesla on the road anymore. So, so you're, this trend is, is happening regionally with all these layers, but that is, it's also happening globally at the same time. So that's why... Um, that that's the new element because if you rewind back to 2016 when if you look on a lithium price chart and you go back to 2016 when you saw this last sort of bump or 2015-16 um that was just china that was driving that china and a bit of tesla but now it's global and the key thing is in 2020 in about four years time it's going to be um global and even bigger 
so it's kind of these layers of a building over that have been over a period and now it's mainstream yeah very interesting i was just having a look at a chart while you're saying that and just yeah that growth in 2016 and then during the, the pandemic just wow in crazy crazy price action um with uh with electric vehicles um one of the sort of the biggest uh, or the sort of the most traded stocks that we've seen on eToro, and this won't surprise our listeners or or yourself, I'm sure, is, is obviously Tesla and, and Neo, and that's really been the way for the past sort of few years. One of the the key products, and you alluded it alluded to it there, is is the batteries, but not all batteries on electric vehicles are the same, right? So Tesla recently announced it was going to stop using cobalt, I think, in its batteries. And I was hoping you could sort of give our listeners some insights into the different types of batteries. I know you did there, but what sort of really yeah. good into them? Yeah, so you've got three main flavors, if you like. That's kind of how I, I think about it, because the lithium-ion battery is, as as you would see if you, you know, Google it, it could be a cylinder, which is the most common, or it could be like a, a square, a prismatic, or even the pouch, like a Calypso Sun drink thing. Um, but but inside, there's lots of different elements that, that you guys, your, your, your uh, audience will be investing in. Those elements are always a combination of... Uh, it's always lithium in there. So in every single one, there's lithium. And then there's always graphite in there. Every single one, there's graphite. But then you kind of, um, you put different elements with those two um, anode, cathode sides. And it could be, uh, for for the mainstream uh, batteries, like in the Teslas, it's NCA or NCM. And they're starting to use LFP. So NCM and NCA are these um, longer range ones. That's called the better quality in terms of range is the best way to think about it. That stands for nickel, cobalt, manganese in different kind of levels. Um, NCA is nickel, cobalt, aluminium. That's the Panasonic and Tesla technology. So only Panasonic make that at giga scale at the moment. Uh, and then the third one is LFP, this lithium iron phosphate. So um, F is ferro, ferrophosphate basically. So you've got lithium, we've got iron and you've got phosphate iron oxide and then, and then phosphate in there as well so the key thing is that the the lfp was deemed defunct about four years ago it was deemed like not defunct but let's say it was deemed like lower quality ncm was going to take the whole market but then people had to drop the prices of lithium ion batteries and then an LFP is probably 30, on oh, no, not now at the moment, because the lithium price has gone through the roof. But uh, LFP is uh, on average 25, 30% cheaper than, maybe 25% cheaper than, than NCM. So they went, hold on a minute. If we make lots of these LFP batteries, we can bring the cost of our average cost of our lithium ion battery down by X, you know, and meet our targets. Um, so that, that's really the, the ones to focus on is NCM, NCA, LFP. In terms of cobalt, it's not going anywhere. People don't like, certainly American companies and European automakers, they don't like discussing cobalt because it's got a bad, a bad brand, um, a bad rep because of the, 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 the tiny amounts of cobalt. Uh, it's an unfair reputation, but the tiny amounts of cobalt that, that um, are linked to child labor in the DRC. But you're not going to be making these electric vehicles without cobalt. Because uh, co- what cobalt does is it brings stability, longevity, uh, and safety to the batteries. So um, cobalt is a bit of a, a misnomer in terms of it being engineered out. It's being reduced, but the demand profile is going through the roof. So 
hope that gives a bit of insight into into the batteries and the raw material types yeah absolutely um i guess i think the, the next question to, to that then would be you know when we talk about okay pretty much lithium is going into every battery that is going to be used in an electric vehicle how much is you know this lithium cost in an ev battery today right how much is that going to cost to tesla is it going to affect their margins are we going to see it really impact them if um you know this lithium price continues to soar and then if that does happen is there a risk of a substitution away from lithium if prices rise too much yeah good question so oh, how the cost of a lithium in a back in a, in a EV. I'll tell you why that's a very difficult question to answer, but I'll give, still give you a number at the end. Right. So um, it's really difficult because first you have to look at the pack size. So when you look at a car on the road, whether it's a Tesla Model 3, whether it's the, the new VW ID3s or, or the Rivian or, or whatever, the first question you've got to ask is how big is that battery pack? So on the Tesla Model 3, um, the first ones that came out were about 75 kilowatt hours. The Rivians are like 150 kilowatt hours, so double the size. Um, so let's say on the 75 kilowatt hours, you then have to look at the, the the price of lithium, right? And and the price of lithium at the moment within domestic China, which is that super super high price that everyone sees, like 65 to 70 dollars a, a ton at the moment or a kilogram. Um, yet the the long term contracts are still way lower than that. They're still like late teens, maybe the new contracts that we signed this year might be in the early 20s, um, and there'll be shorter contracts uh, than, than, tra than traditionally uh, done. So there's lots of different prices for lithium, and it depends on what you know, what price. But I would say lithium's gone up from uh, historically, historically last five years, 2 to 3% of the cost of an EV uh, to that would have doubled now that would have gone to like four let's say five six seven percent with prices aggressively going up and so the what the key thing is lithium prices won't stay this high for this for long they they will go through periods of three two to three year price surges and then they will crash back down but the key thing is when they crash back down, they'll be higher than they were back, you know, uh, in, in the previous iteration because you've got to get more lithium from new, more expensive sources to feed this EV growth. So the base of lithium's price is always going up over time, like a step up. But then you've got this volatility on top of it. So for your investors, the key thing is to, to you know, predict when, I guess, the top end of the market or let's say, Lithium prices is going to run out of steam um, because stocks will be extremely volatile to anything that happens on that. It won't affect the long-term sort of demand profile of EVs. That's the that's the industry of the 21st century. But you know we're we're 15 months into this lithium price fight. I would say, I would say we've got another 12 months to run at least. But that doesn't mean 12 months to run on that sky-high China price. That means 12 months to run on this, this average price going up. And this is what we publish at Benchmark is we do our lots of different grades, but we actually do a weighted average for both lithium hydroxide and lithium carbonate that's weighted to the trades. And, and that's a much more, um, I think, accurate portrayal of, of the majority of lithium prices, not just an aggressive, uh, unique China price. But investors will always look at the highest price 
that will be the one that gets shared on social media and we and we put it on social media as well so i'm, I'm you know taking some of the blame for that but um it's just something to be wary of as um as investors and onlookers to the industry so i think then the next point of that is i think you would sort of alluding to it slightly there as well but yeah lithium prices have surged demand is is set to sort of keep expanding so that then as you sort of came on to there this must be obviously driving a lot of new supply right and that's coming into the market so what sort of lithium supply growth are you sort of expecting in the coming years um and does that sort of growth in ev then sort of call the price is that sort of what you were saying there yeah yeah exactly so so at the moment lithium supply is still playing catch up from the lack of investment the last four years so what what happened in, you know, the last price price spike in 26 it started to come down in what 16 17 i think um and we went through four years of the lithium price declining month by month it was falling back down to that that base that i talked that new sort of higher base that i talked about but it took probably three three and a half years to falling and then when people see a falling price they go well i'm not going to invest in lithium because the market's the, it's fallen out you know it's, it's it's over but during that time it fell lithium expanded by 30 percent. the size of the market increased by 30 percent, right so the, the the issue is is aligning new supply with with this demand um and people almost didn't believe that demand was coming in the last the last surge now people get that it's coming but it takes four well let's say it takes five six seven years to build a lithium mine from scratch so it's already too late uh, for to, to solve the supply problem this time we're relying on well one the, the only solution would be um lithium americas are, are coming on stream in in argentina um the new chemical plants uh as soon as they get up and running in australia would bring in new supply because you'd be able to feed more more spodumene into into uh, those plants but there doesn't seem to be any any more than that and that's that's a result of the past going forward i think providing the money and investment from from banks and, and automotive oems and battery companies continues now to flow almost unabated into lithium you're going to be sorted by 2026 27 28 you still have a price spike still won't be enough but you're, you're still going to build that base of supply. But, the, but that's how long it takes. And, and probably one stat to, for your guys to, to kind of, um, stick in their minds is it takes 18 months to build a battery plant. It takes seven years, five to seven years to build a lithium mine and chemical plant from scratch. And that's the, that's the problem. Interesting. Speaking of five to seven years, what, what what do you think the future future looked like for sort of these electric car batteries and, and where do you think we could get to let's list to say five to seven do you think we could do like a, a full round trip cornwall to scotland yeah yeah for sure i mean they're good right like uh the lithium-ion battery i reckon it's it's improving by at least five percent a year in terms of energy there's a few ways to to, to um mark improvement people will go range right so uh range has got much better the batteries in 2015 16 weren't very good um compared to the ones now like the, i've got a test model 3 for example i bought that in 2019 the range is like 320 um miles uh, for that 75 kilowatt hour but you buy it now it's about 350 miles and they probably use less batteries in them. 
to save the batteries and make them go further and make more cars. So the, uh, you'll, you'll comfortably get to 500 miles in a, in a 100 kilowatt hour vehicle. And the batteries will last longer. I think that's the problem for these car companies. Is that I think the batteries are going to last much longer than they anticipated. So what do they do next? How do they create a new model to, to keep selling cars and keep getting money from consumers and subscription models and stuff like that? A bit like we used to will be will probably be part of that solution. But um, yeah, uh, lithium-ion battery technology, NCM, NCA will go for, in the next sort of three, four, five years, we'll go to that 500 mark. I'm, I'm sure of it. Um, yeah. The party has started and we're all invited then at the moment. <laughs> exactly. Um, Right, right now, it's um, it's pretty difficult for investors to invest in, in lithium with uh, limited pricing and pretty much no publicly traded contracts. Of course, Benchmark, is, as you mentioned, they're sort of changing that with the pricing. But when do you think we'll see a, a tradable contract for investors? And will it get easier to then invest in lithium over the next few years, do you think? Do you see that happening? Yeah, I think the key thing here is have a, a physical sort of contract that's traded a physical price. And, and that's something that Benchmark... Uh, is discussing with exchanges and has been working on and are working on. At the moment, there are um, a couple of uh, paper contracts that haven't just haven't taken off. And, and I think that the problem is you can't, uh, you can't take a, a traditional commodity like copper or with, a, with a, a very mature commodity that has a very mature sort of, uh, let's say, trading environment. Um, the spare, the spare tonnages, um, the, or there's almost a trading community attached to the, the actual guys that buy and sell uh, copper for real life circumstances. At, with lithium at the moment, um, all lithium that's that's made is sold to the guys that make EVs. There is no spare capacity. There is no excess. Therefore, there is no need for additional market makers to kind of come in and get rid of you know to sort of excess supply in these in these industries. And that's going to be the next 10 years. doesn't mean to say that there can't be something. Though I think there will be some form of um, exchange that works. But you've got to, if you're using exchange that works, you've got to make sure that they're lithium people and that they understand um, how lithium is made, sold, and used in EVs. And I still think that's the back end of this decade rather than, um, and certainly when there's excess supply, which is probably going into the 2030s, then actually this decade when you've just got a really, really tight supply-demand balance, you're always going to be playing catch-up. So um, with that, and then sort of maybe trying to round that all into, you know, the EVs, um, lithium, everything that we've sort of spoken about, what do you see as sort of the most significant bottlenecks for the electrification of vehicles that we're going to probably see over the next couple of years, over the next 10 years? Because as you say, this sort of pace of EVs is growing, right? You see it on the roads, we're up sort of what, three, four percent, maybe global adoption. That's probably going to have to get to sort of 10, 15 in the next five years, maybe 10 years. What do you see as the the bottlenecks uh, for that sort of happening? raw materials i mean i always with these things i look from a very simple perspective obviously launched the business on, on the back of it but like i i, I try and simplify these things because they can be complicated um and i always look in any industry this is if, if you invest uh, just to reiterate this we don't invest right we can't 
uh, and we don't, and we're regulated as well. Our prices are regulated to um, to ensure the most you know, proper, robust processes to actually collect these and use them in contracts. But um, I would say, when you look at an industry, always look at what the limiting factor is, right? So what I mean by that is, take a product, a thing, whatever this company is selling, and try and work out how that's made. And then go, what can they not do without? So for example, if you're looking at solar, then for us, it's the, the solar PV cell, the photovoltaic cell, the, you know, the gray kind of square thing that the, 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 the light hits. And well, they can't do without that. But how that's made is, well, silicon. Is it natural silicon, naturally mined silicon? Is it synthetically produced? It's a bit of both, but it's mainly synthetic. Then how is that made? Uh, well, you need feedstock of like sand and uh, and energy. And so you start laying out your limiting factors and you, you hone in on that. And with batteries, 70 to 80% of the cost of lithium ion battery are raw material. And that's rising. As batteries become cheaper to make in terms of scale, the raw material function of mining lithium and nickel and graphite isn't changing. It's still the same way you mine and produce it. There might be tweaks, but it's still the same. So raw materials will always be the limiting factor. A second limiting factor to always bear in mind is that not all lithium-ion batteries are the same. There's tiers of quality. So if your guys Google benchmark tier, automotive tier batteries, uh, something like that, uh, it, it will come up. Our, our, we, we rank these companies, battery companies by tiers of quality. There are seven tier one battery makers at the moment. And there are like, 150 other ones right so uh bear in mind that not just like lithium not all lithium is the same quality not all batteries are the same quality so for me they're the two bottlenecks and while we're just on that same question and you mentioned you obviously had a tesla a minute ago tesla's obviously leading the market they're flying away with it this is a very quick one and might not be in your realm, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Who do you think is going to, who do you think is going to be coming in second place over the next couple of years? Is it going to be traditional? Do you think VW, GM, do you think those guys are going to be sort of really challenging? Or is it going to be someone you know, like a disruptor like Rivian uh, or like Neo, somebody like that? I thought you were going to ask us if we uh, were going to make it to Mars. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, good question, right? Um, really good question. So Tesla... I mean, like if you if you see the way Tesla operate, like we know them from you know from day one, we've known them right. But they've done things the right way. It's not just about they've understood. It's not about making cars. It's about making batteries at scale, designing a car around the battery. Then they understand. Okay, it's about nailing that supply chain first of batteries, making sure there's enough batteries. And then when they realised that Panasonic weren't going to be able to supply them enough batteries and weren't going to expand the way they wanted. They went to build the gigafactory. Then, it's when they're building the gigafactory, which is putting all the lithium-ion battery, the size of the, the industry back then, under one roof, everyone said they were crazy. Of course, they needed to do it. And then, when they had the gigafactory, they realised it's about raw materials, and they've kind of uh, the way they've approached the raw material supply chain in general has been excellent. Sort of locking up contracts, um, you know, embedding their relationships with with all mining companies and chemical guys that are key to their to, to feeding their supply chains. But the, uh, that's Tesla, right? They go in, they're active, they look for new ways of doing things, and they're aggressive. They're quick, they do everything with speed. Now, if you look at traditional OEMs, what they would like VW and, and 
certainly like ZW and, and the European ones, what you got, what you have is an opposite culture, completely opposite. They, the supply chain exists. They don't have to build the supply chain. Tesla knows they have to build the supply chain from scratch. VW traditionally, uh, maybe changing a bit now, but they, the supply chain for the automotive industry exists because of them. They're the biggest car company in the world, same as Toyota. And they're not used to actually having to invest to build all these components that they're going to buy. Their attitude is, well, it's always going to be there for us. So because we're going to be the biggest customer, we'll let everyone else do it for them. When actually that isn't the case now. And, and I think the pennies just started to drop. So they are very, there, there was a, there was an arrogance. Um, I think that arrogance has turned into realization that they're going to have to be active in every part of the supply chain. Um, having said that, uh, along with an answer to your question, by the way, VW, once they, once, a, once this big tanker gets up and running or turns, it's a slow turn for the tanker, but when the tanker turns, it's a bloody tanker, right? So the production just rockets. So it's going to be both. Um, but certainly Tesla and VW for me are the ones to watch. Yeah, it feels like all the EV names, like you said, that have within the last sort of one to two years have woken up and they're all announcing 30 billion here, 40 billion there. Uh, so as you say, yeah, turn in the truck slowly, but when they come through, they'll be, they'll be powerhouses, no doubt. Um, I think probably the, the talk of the town at the moment, so we probably can't let you leave uh, without talking about sort of the, the geopolitical situation we've sort of got on our hands at the moment. Obviously, Russia is a huge player in the commodities market, has pretty big exposure to raw materials. I think you'll know this better than me, but I think uh, specifically to nickel. Um, how is this sort of disruption? How is this going to affect the supply of raw materials? And ultimately, how is it going to affect sort of the EV space? Yeah, good question, because uh, Russia is a big nickel producer. Well, actually, it produces 7% of overall nickel uh, in the market. But the key thing is this class one nickel that, that can be destined for batteries and electric vehicles. Much like lithium has tiers of quality, nickel's the same. So there's class one nickel. Um, Russia produces 20%. A company called Nor Nickel produces 20% there. Uh, majority of it goes to, to China. So I don't think that will be um, disrupted. I don't think China put any sanctions on... Um, or there won't be any real sanctions, certainly on, on on Russia for all commodities, including nickel. So I think that will continue um, that going into Chinese batteries and EVs. That uh, they have a another route into Europe, which is through a company called BASF, a big chemicals company, that uh, refine their nickel in Finland and then ship it to to Germany to be made into EVs. And and I did some lot, a lot of tweets yesterday just outlining the. Um, the situation there right and i just want to clarify it's like you know with the a lot of these guys are our customers as well right and, and we know these people really well and uh, in russia this is and and like from from we don't really talk about politics uh, from but from this geopolitical perspective like the industry everyone i've spoken to and, and certainly us at benchmark is is the people that are working at like in nor nickel and in other um, Russian sort of companies that, that are our customers are, you know, are completely separate from what the, the one or two or three people in the Russian government are doing, right? Which is invading the country, which is, it's, it's shocked the world, right? And, um, and so they are two separate things, but the question is when, 
when were these corporate sanctions? You saw it with BP and Rosneft yesterday. BP exited the, their position in oil. When will this these corporate sanctions become start becoming widespread across across all of these commodities? And that's that's the one to watch. And it's such a shame for the guys in in Nornickel because I know they've been working on this this EV strategy and supply chain for a long time. They were one of the they were forward thinking back in 2017, 18 to come up with this 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 zero carbon nickel strategy for Europe, and and it's much needed. Uh, unfortunately, um, the geopolitical situation, one or two, uh, President Putin, of course, um, is that turned it into a complete shit show. And so I, I feel for them, and um, I'm hoping there's a swift re- resolution, but at present, it doesn't seem that way. No. I, I'll, I'll, for, for those listening, I'll, I'll put your <clears throat> your Twitter handle in, in the bio. I was just having a quick look at those those tweets. Really interesting. I know people will find that uh, good to get the perspective. What... Um, sort of short medium term what do, what do you think like from an investing point of view the the main i don't know two three headlines to, to sort of keep a watch on is is russia right now gonna has to be in that mix do you think or is, is there other more important short-term factors I, I think russia you know russia has to be in the mix just because even though it's not um nickel's coming from elsewhere indonesia is yeah. ramping up its nickel supply significantly uh so it's more of a uh, russia's but but the russia russia ukraine invasion um will affect everything in our lives right so so it will be indirect it'll be direct it'll be it'll be all of the above the upside actually long term it will push more people to use electric vehicles right and and to use energy storage to get off oil and gas um so that's something to watch but I, i would say i would say kind of keep an eye on the amount of battery gigafactories that are coming on stream we put that out on social media, we get quite a lot in there. So active battery plants are coming on, and that's that's supply. And then keep an eye on the lithium, lithium and cobalt prices. But certainly, yeah, lithium and cobalt price curves because uh, over half of these, over half of lithium and over half of cobalt are used in lithium-ion batteries, and therefore using EVs. So that when you look at those price curves, they are battery powered. The other nickel and graphite and others aren't quite the same because they have lots of other industrial markets they go into. So I would say keep an eye on the lithium price curve, uh, keep an eye on the cobalt one. And and you can get all that stuff from Twitter, right? Like the Benchmark Twitter, my Twitter, the guys that work for Benchmark, we put so much free information out there on this. And so your 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 listeners can get a really good handle on just by following that. Yeah, I actually think people still really, really underestimate how good Twitter is and how much you know useful information there is out there so yeah check that in out in the bio guys um last sort of couple couple questions thank you so much for, for your time um environmental issues or, or or not really with 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 uh, with lithium and, and the like was it oh, a lot better than than others always there esg always a thing um but like and the esg processes in lithium and cobalt and, and so on are being developed in parallel with this with new supplies so it's certainly an important factor but the most important factor is just simply getting enough supply out of the ground to making these evs that 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 everything else is just 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 pales in comparison to that now we want to do it in the right way we want to do it in this responsible environmentally responsible way but you've got to get the supply into evs first otherwise we're never going to shift off quickly enough off um, gasoline powered cars um so yeah that's the best way to to sum that up awesome awesome okay last last question what is uh 
what's the best case scenario 15 years from from now how do you how do you sort of see it all, all playing out from a, you know an investing standpoint and, and yourselves um what from an industry perspective or industry i'd love to be on a desert island and just just <laughs> with a cocktail and just you know chilling out uh, no i actually love the industry that i work in it keeps it going um uh it's hard actually I need to look at our forecast but you know you're going to a world uh, certainly 2030 and on where nearly everything is lithium-ion battery powered mm-hmm. right i mean it's this isn't just we're not talking about 10 percent, 20 percent, 30 percent of vehicles like the, the lithium-ion battery will be everywhere it, it genuinely is one of those moments where you know humans discover fire and can cook meat and it changes the direction of the human, you know, the, we end up on a podcast today because of that reason, right? Yes. Uh, the steam engine was one of them, you know, and and the, the, the ability to store energy um, without wasting it, quite simply, which is what the grid does at the moment, is I don't think we fully grasp how massive that is, right? And batteries, small, medium, large batteries, just everywhere. Um, whether it's for transport, whether it's for your home, whether it's for your phone, um, it, it, they're going to be everywhere, right? They already are, but they're going to be everywhere at scale and size. And so the world is genuinely moving to an into an energy storage revolution. A best case scenario, it's hard because that will depend on how much lithium you can get out of the ground into these batteries. Uh, but cars, I think, I, you know, down long term, 80% of cars or vehicles on the road are going to be battery powered. There's going to be a high end niche that it won't work for. People still want their Ferraris. You know, I still want a Ferrari at some point in my life. Uh, and an Aston Martin, actually, because that's James Bond's car. Yeah. Um, especially the one in Skyfall, which is my, uh, which is my movie. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's my thoughts. Awesome, awesome. So the party may well have started, but it's going on for a while and there's also going to be an after party by the sound of it. Simon, thank yeah. you so, so much for, for joining us today. As I mentioned to our listeners, I'll put the, the links in, in the bio uh, of the podcast, but it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for, for coming on. Sam, Josh, thanks a lot for having us. Awesome. Take care, guys. Thank you very much for listening uh, and catch you all soon. You've been listening to Digest and Invest from eToro. For more information, visit etoro.com. Hi, this is Roberto Gornstein, and I am part of the Smart Portfolio team here at eToro. And for those of you who are not aware, eToro's Smart Portfolios, they are an innovative approach to personal investing. And among several strategies, investors can allocate in diversified thematic portfolios varying from traditional sectors, technology-focused, cryptos, regional, and other very interesting themes. And today, I would like to present you the new, unique Battery Tech Smart Portfolio. The Smart Portfolio Battery Tech has a selection of stocks from the whole battery cycle. So it starts with companies from the mining sector. It has exposure to stocks that mine lithium, as well as other metals, uh, including uh, nickel, manganese, and cobalt, metals that are involved in the production of several types of different batteries. And a few examples of companies that mine minerals are BHP Billington, Anglo-America, and Lithium Americas. 
then there are companies that are focused in producing specialty chemicals. Companies like Albemarle, they are a major producer of lithium compounds that they are used in batteries. Another, another example is Livent that produces and distributes lithium compounds. And these compounds are used in the assembly batteries and energy storage systems. Then going forward, we move to companies that are involved in the energy storage business. Those that develop these systems to capture energy and hold this energy for later usage. They are both in large industrial scale as well as for residential use, for example. So companies like Eton from the US and ABB from Switzerland, uh, they both produce huge containers for energy storage, They're also known as huge batteries. They store renewable energy generation to be used during demand peaks, bringing more efficiency and reliability to the electric grid. And going into smaller scale, a company called Sunrun provides to homeowners a package of solar panels, a battery, and a home integration system. And this is great because solar energy is not going to be used only to heat water so we can shower. But now solar energy powers the entire house, even at night when the sun is not shining. And that's why the batteries are there. And, and continuing, uh, there are some utility companies in the portfolio. Uh, these are large users of these energy storage systems. They produce clean energy from the wind, from the wind and the sun, and they store it when demand is low. Then uh, they supply it, they supply the energy when demand in the grid is high. And one of the biggest US players is Next Era Energy and other utility players from this industry that also are uh, relevant to the energy storage business are AES and Duke Energy. And finally, we added the companies that, that use enormously batteries uh, in their businesses. And they are the car, car makers, those that are producing electric vehicles that are re revolutionizing the, the whole society. Some of the EV companies in the portfolio are Lucid, Tesla, and from China, Li Auto and BYD. So a recap of the battery tech. It has stocks from the following sectors, mining, chemicals, electric devices, utilities, renewable energy, uh, and car makers that are focused in EVs. And I find this selection of sectors and stocks very interesting. Uh, throughout 30 stocks, uh, the, the investor gets a very diversified exposure. And at the same time, they have this, the same theme of batteries, which is very important and very actual trend. Thank you very much.